How many of you have some people in your home who are on summer break? Anybody got some people in your life on summer break, right? Summer break, that first day, you remember this? You're so excited. You're finally free. And then by noon the next day, what are all the kids saying? I'm bored. Right? We're 100% every kid, every year, like from time out of mind. How does this happen? I've looked forward to this moment for so long. I'm finally free, and then now I am bored. This is our key question this morning that we're going to be coming back to and dancing around. What are we going to do with our freedom? Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Let's stand firm, therefore, in this freedom. We are free. Now what? Now what? Freedom has its challenges. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You were called to freedom, brothers, for freedom Christ has set you free. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Freedom has its challenges. Now, we've talked about how Paul in the book of Galatians spends the first couple chapters establishing the truths of the gospel, things that have happened to us, things that God has done for us. And then he's going to spend the last little bit talking about the fruit of the Spirit and love and, and the church, church life and things that God works through us and things that, that flow from us. But here in the middle of the book of Galatians, he talks about this crucial, critical, often neglected linkage of freedom. That the gospel truths have to set us free or else they're not going to become the love, the life that we want to see from us, that God calls us to. It's not going to happen if they don't set us free. So what does it mean to be free? Up to this point, he's really been focusing on freedom as uh, getting out of slavery, right? Getting, getting out of the bad situation that we were in. To be free means I'm not enslaved anymore. Woohoo! But that's not all that freedom is. That's a negative perspective on freedom. But the positive side of freedom is, are, am I free to do what I want? Do I have the ability to accomplish the goals that I have in mind, uh, the desires that I, the, the good, the, whatever the thing is, can I do that? And this is really, this is where we really come into this challenge. Look with me at verse 17. We'll start in verse 16. Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is the challenge of freedom. What do I want? What do I really, really want? Somebody needs to tell me what I want, what I really, really want. What do we want most? You know, the, the world says... The world says, do whatever you want. However you want to define want, right this second. Do whatever you want. However you want to define want, right this second. Which sounds amazing. I want that. I want to do that. I want to do that. Right? But nobody ever says, right? No graduating senior ever says, like, on their goals and life aspirations, I want to be a grumpy old divorcee with children who no longer speak to me, riddled with debt, diabetes, depression, a substance abuse problem, and STDs. That's what I want. But that's where pretty much all of our immediate wants will lead us. Look at me here at verses 22 to 23. 
Paul lays out the fruit of the Spirit. You tell me, this is, this is what you want. This is the life you actually want. Listen to this. The fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the life that we want. That's the life that every person most truly wants. But at any given second, we might want verses 19 to 21, the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And so, as we saw in verse 17, there's this flesh versus spirit tension. Freedom is really a fork in the road. Freedom is a fork in the road. What are we going to do with our freedom? Which wants do we want? Do I want to be two pounds lighter or two pizzas happier? Which wants do we want? And we all acknowledge this, that some of our wants keep us from some of our better wants. So what do we need? We need, in our freedom, we need a guide. We need a guide in our freedom. I'm a big uh, NBA basketball fan, and uh, any, any professional sport that you follow or, or watch you know, occasionally has tons of these sorts of stories where somebody rises from, from poverty, from, from very difficult circumstances, and then they come into being a professional athlete and they, get, they just get handed a check for millions and millions of dollars. And what do they do, right? They, they, get, they get all of this freedom just delivered to them all at once. And instead of like calling up Warren Buffett and saying like, hey, what would be a prudent way to make the best use of this money to secure my freedom and many f- generations of freedom and benefit, right? They, just, they, they ask their who? They ask the f- kid that they grew up with. Which color cobra should I buy? Like, that's the kind of questions that they ask and where they spend all their money, right? We need a guide in our freedom. We have been given all of this freedom, absolute freedom. What are we going to do with it? And the book of Galatians is a big cautionary tale about how there are many people who would like to guide us in our freedom. Many people who would like to guide us in our freedom. Jesus has a scene where he's, he's with the disciples and he's, he's encountering the Pharisees. The Pharisees are sort of like the grandparents of the people that are troubling the Galatian church. The Pharisees are really the, the theological heirs the, or the, the theological forefathers of, of the uh, Jewish conflict entrepreneurs that we've talked about that have come into the Galatian church and caused all this trouble. And Jesus, he has this encounter with the Pharisees. He says, they're a bunch of hypocrites. They set aside the commands of God in favor of the traditions of man. They're they're basically just worthless. The disciples call him up after that, and they confront Jesus. Have you ever confronted Jesus? This is something that disciples do, I think. We confront Jesus, and they say, Jesus, don't you know you offended them? We're always so worried about offending the Pharisees. You know why? Because they make every group that they're a part of look nicer. Right? They're put together. They're well-kept. They amen at the right times. <laughs> you guys, you stepped into that one. Um, right? The, and, and the disciples are so worried about not upsetting the Pharisees. And Jesus says, listen, he says if the blind lead the blind, both are going to fall in the pit. 
He's calling the entire religious, the most respected religious leadership of that day, blind guides. There are many blind guides. The problem with the book of Galatians, of course, is these, these blind guides are saying what, what Paul recounts back in chapter 3, that now that you've been begun by the Spirit, now we can be perfected by the flesh. There's that word. We can be perfected by the flesh. These teachers are saying, hey, Christ got you started. Praise Jesus. What an awesome guy. And the Bible can show you how. And then, friends, you can do it. You can work hard, follow the law, and get the life that you want. If you look with me in verses 16 to 18 here of Galatians 5, Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the... What is he? he doesn't say you're not doing the flesh. He says you're not under the law. Right? So these people are saying, if you will put yourself under the law, if you, will, if you will work the law, if you will do it, you have to do it, you must do it, you can do it, let's do it, you'll get from God all that you didn't get from God in Christ. And Paul's saying that's, that's, that's not going to take you where you want to go. It is going to end in a bad place. So we just read verses 19 to 21, this, this laundry list of bad things. But did you notice in there kind of like a strange mix of, of, of bad traits? Like, did you notice like, a, let's look at see, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. What? Like idolatry and sorcery, what were the punishment for those things in the Old Testament? Like immediate, sure, certain, community-backed death, right? It was gone. What's the next thing in this list? Enmity. Thankfully, none of us know what that word means, right? Enmity just means you're upset at somebody. What's the next thing? Strife. So idolatry and sorcery, you know, like the witch and the nails and the spit and the, you know, and then the next thing is, and people who are upset at other people. Look at some of these other mix-ups here. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. The last three, envy, drunkenness, orgies. All right, so like, yes, Orgy's really bad. Drunkenness really bad. Envy? How's that in the list with these other two? Right? Like, who in here hasn't been envious in the last week? Right? And Paul lumps that in with these. Paul is mixing up our whole program and scale of badness in order to say to the Galatians, in order to say to us, it's all flesh. It's all flesh It's all the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh is not just a list of what the bad people who do whatever they want do. It's a list also, it includes the things that the good, hard-working people who are doing their best do. Who are doing their best in their own strength, on their own. This is what they do as well. All flesh following leads to the same place. The blind lead the blind. Both are going to end up in the pit. Whether 
We're trying our best on our own or we're doing our worst on our own. We'll end up in the same place. Look at how Paul describes this in chapter 6, verse 8. I just want you to see this, this word, this image that he uses. He says, The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. Rottenness. Decay. How do you like... How ripe do you like a banana before you eat it? Right? Do you like it with a little bit of green on the stem? Or does it need to have started spots? How far along will you eat it? Right? You know, I, as, the, as the father figure in our house, I, I'm, I am tasked with eating all the bananas after everybody else will eat them. <laughs> and which I enjoy. I, I don't mind that. And, but I think we all agree that there's a point where you don't want to eat that banana. Right? When it's brown, when it's when it's sort of leaving a pool of things, <laughs> when there's flies and animals and, and creatures, sort of when it's an ecosystem, right? <laughs> you don't want to eat that. Well, what has happened to that banana? Right? Once upon a time, there it was in the jungles of Ecuador, you know, high up on a tree, bright green, and having a great life. But what happened? It was separated from the source of life. And it slowly began to decay from that moment on. And we try to catch it and benefit from it along the process of decay, but at some point, it's gone. And what Paul's saying here is, you sow to the flesh, whether that's your hard work, your self-discipline, your can-do spirit, or you sow to the flesh and it's nonsense and craziness of the world. He says, you've separated yourself from the source of life. And whether it stinks yet or it doesn't, it's gonna. It is gonna. That is where all of this is going On our own, look at verse 24 again. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. On our own, we end up rotten. On our own, following our passions and desires, on our own is how we ended up deserving the cross. How we ended up deserving that death. Whether you're Barabbas the murderer who was crucified with Jesus, or whether you're the Apostle Paul who says, I was crucified with Christ, even though I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the hardest working Pharisee you ever met. They both ended up, through their passions and desires, deserving Christ's death on the cross, which he took for us. I mean, we get this, right? This is one of the, one of the uh, most powerful parables that our culture has kind of put forward for us to uh, sort of voyeuristically participate in is the, the show Breaking Bad, which follows the story of this guy at the very beginning who for all the right reasons that make a great amount of sense, who's, he, just, he sets out on a path that seems like it's all under control, it's all going to work out, he's going to accomplish all of his good intentions, and then five or six, however long it is later, it's absolute craziness. He set out to preserve his marriage, to protect his family. He ends up estranged from them. Everybody's in ruins. We know how that story goes. I guess the question we need to ask, or that we're, we're trying, maybe everybody's asking, but we're here asking, is how do you break good? We know how you break bad. We've heard that story for millennia. How do we break good? Right, we know that sin is deceitful. The heart is deceitful. There are many deceivers in the world. The Pharisees are deceitful. Satan's the father of lies. We know what's out there. So who will keep us safe in our freedom? 
We need a guide we can follow so our freedom doesn't end in flailing, failing, and falling, but in flourishing. We need a guide to follow so our freedom ends in flourishing. I like the word flourish. Right? It's got just this, it just smells green and beautiful. It smells luminous. You can just, you hear it and you just think that, you can see it, right? Something that is healthy, that is abundant, that is joyful, that has got plenty to share. That's the life we want. We want a life of flourishing. So we need a guide to do this. Look with me in verse 16. What does Paul say? He says, but listen, I say, I'm telling you, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Look again in verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And so the point of this passage is very simply, right? The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is given to us to be this guide in our freedom, this guide to flourishing. Do you like being led, though? He says, be led by the Spirit. Do you like being led? Do you like following people? You ever followed someone who didn't know where they were going? Like, I loved, you remember the, the old station wagons, right, before, like, <laughs> before OSHA and all that stuff, you know? Just, I love rolling around in the back of the station wagon like an like a empty bottle, you know, and just looking up at the sky through the windows. And, like, I love that feeling of I'm just being led, I'm going wherever we're going. But I've had enough experiences where I've been driving with somebody who said they knew where they were going, who assured me that, no, we're not lost. I'm not speaking of my wife here. She is actually very good at this. Uh, but then you, you find yourself, this, one of my friends, he just reminded me of a story where we're going, you know, point A to point B, and we find ourselves in the hills of West Virginia. I'm not kidding. We didn't start in Wisconsin, but we ended up in the, somewhere in, the, in West Virginia, some gas station. We don't know where we are, right? So how can you know where to go? And now I'm with a guy driving that I can't trust, right? So being led and following puts you, can put you in a position where you feel like out of control. And it's really hard to give up that sense of control. And so I think it is so important right now to understand something about who Holy Spirit is. This is, Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And Paul just got done saying in chapter 4, verse 6, that this is the, the Spirit that we have is the Spirit of the Son of God, the Spirit of Jesus. Now here's why this is so important. It's because Jesus is the only truly free person who has ever lived. Yeah, run through all the names. Jesus is the only truly free person who has ever lived. He's the only person who lived with his desires in perfect alignment. He didn't want one thing and another. He wanted one thing. He's the only person who had all of his passions, all of his energies properly directed. He's the only person who ever actually did what he truly wanted to do. Just even think back on the one week that we just saw go by. Did you actually do what you wanted to do? Or do you now think, oh, I wish I would have got up a little earlier and done that. I wish I would have remembered to do that every day that I did two days. I I meant to do that seven days. 
I didn't actually get to do what I wanted to do. Jesus always did. He was never torn between choices and then picked the lesser of two evils. He never had a fear of missing out. He never looked back on his week and thought, oh. Jesus didn't live under anything. He didn't live under anything. He followed the Father. He lived by the Spirit because he alone had the sinless good sense to see that God's way is freedom and flourishing. So the only way, we've talked about this in previous weeks, the only way to be freed is by Jesus. He's the only one outside the cages. Everybody's in them. He's the only one that ever lived outside of them. He's the only one who can unlatch it. The only way to be freed is by Jesus, and the only way to live free is to follow him as well. Everybody else is a buddy we brought with us from the old life. And they can't be trusted. Unless you want to pick out a, you know, a different color snake for your collection. Otherwise, we need somebody who's been free. Jesus is the only one who knows how to handle freedom. He's the only one who knows where to go to enjoy it. He's the only person it's safe to hand control over to in your journey. And that's why it is only the Spirit of Jesus that can lead us in real freedom. It's only the Spirit of Jesus that can lead us in real freedom. And so we must follow Holy Spirit for the freedom that Christ has given us to lead to flourishing that we desire. And the Spirit will do this. The Spirit will guide us in our freedom to our flourishing. Do you remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 8? He says that those whom God has justified, this is all Galatians 1 to 3, those whom God has made right with himself through Jesus, he will also glorify. He will, glo- he will do this. He has given us the Spirit of Jesus to bring us into Christ like al- inner alignment, right? Truth in our inner self, in our inner heart, to bring us into that place of oneness in heart, oneness in spirit, living like Christ. The Spirit does this, brings us into that life by growing it within us. Uh, Do you you see this again at the end of verse 17? What does he say? He says, uh, to keep you, the the flesh is is against the Spirit to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What we really want to do, right? Now, for that to happen, verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, so we need to be led by the Spirit. We want to get into that good life. We have to be led by the Spirit into that. But look at how the Spirit leads us into it. Verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are going to be led into that good life by the Spirit Because the Spirit's going to grow it within us. For us to get into that good life that we want, what we truly want, we actually have to be transformed by something. You know, the the whole, right, the whole world runs off of the idea that if we just could get, if we could get that thing, if we could get, live in that condition, in that circumstance, with those possessions, with that amount of money, right, then we would be the kind of person we wanted to be. 
I just need this much money, then I would be relaxed. Then I would be kind. Then I would be generous and caring. I'd be a good listener if only all of these things were happening, right? I would be able to communicate my love if only these things were in my life. But you know, as we all know, that that's 100% false. It's great marketing, you know, it makes us want to spend a ton of money on this stuff, but it doesn't work. All it does is it amplifies whatever we are. Right? If you're, if you're somebody who is uptight and you think, oh, if I just had more money, I wouldn't be so uptight. Well, okay, give an uptight person a really nice car, a really nice computer, really nice, you know, stuff in their house, and watch them completely come unglued, right? I'm, I'm a slob, I'm sloppy, but that's because I don't have anything that's nice. I remember going to this friend's house when I was a kid. And, I mean, both his parents were working. They were uh, living in a nicer area. They probably had, you know, income four times what my family had. And you couldn't see any floors. It was all just piled up with awesome stuff that I was so covetous of, but it was bananas. It's not going to change anything. We want it to. We think it might. We buy it because they tell us it will. But it's just going to amplify where we got to go for transformation. That's what we're talking about. Who can transform us? And the only answer to that is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who created all things and created you and me in the image of Christ is the only one who can recreate us in Christ's image. Christ who is, again, remind me, he's the most free person. So if we want to be set free, we've got to follow the Spirit. The Spirit's got to be allowed to do this work in us. Only the Spirit of Jesus can lead us to the real freedom of flourishing. And only the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus will lead us in freedom to flourishing. And so we must follow the Spirit for freedom to lead to flourishing. And so verse 16 again, Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. So, of course, to, this means to, to, to follow. It means to submit to the Spirit's guidance. I mean, this is really the, this is the fork of freedom right here. Are we going to go do whatever our heart? Are we going to follow our heart? Or are we going to follow the Spirit of God? This is the fork. What are we going to do here? Right? And if I say we have to follow the Spirit, we have to submit to the Spirit, that sounds like not free, doesn't it? To every human ear, that sounds like not free. In love, let's go serve other people. Oh, that sounds like the worst. I want to follow my heart. That's freedom. We know how foolish. That's such a bad idea, right? Because your heart can be coerced. You're such an easy mark. You think you're hard. You think you're tough. You just haven't seen the right commercial. That's all. Right? We, we, watch, we watch TV together. Like all that has to happen is a character on a show has to show up with like a drink. And all of us are like, hey, we should go get some sodas. Like we're just so easily coerced. You're going to follow your heart. All that means is you're going to slipstream in with the values of the dominant empire of your age and just pump your money into that and give your life to them and until they've extracted enough and then out you go. That's what follow your heart means. 
So I know this doesn't feel right, but the only way to freedom is to submit to the Spirit who gives life. The Spirit alone guides us to flourishing. So walk by the Spirit means submit to the Spirit and do this even when this is difficult. Think with me for just a moment here, right? So we're all frustrated with God and Jesus to a certain percentage, right, every single Sunday. And a big part of that has to do with, I'm not getting the stuff I want, right? It's not coming, I'm praying or I'm doing a little bit of the stuff and I expect, I expect this to be easier. I expect more peace, I expect more calmness, more serenity, whatever it is. Well, the Spirit's leading us into that, right? So flourishing, the, the path of flourishing requires growth. Okay, you with me? Flourishing requires growth. What does growth require? Growth requires adverse conditions. Do you like adverse conditions? We do not like adverse conditions, but growth requires it. Flourishing demands it. This is just physics. This is just the way God set up the world to work. Growth requires adverse conditions, and it is hard to endure the conditions necessary for us to come to flourish. It is hard to endure the conditions necessary for flourishing. Right? Like, Brian preached a great sermon on this about two years ago. You can, he, he, just, he just unpacks this whole idea, but let me just give it to you in brief. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, we're in verse 22. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Who here wants more patience? <laughs> How do you grow in patience? You grow in patience by being in situations that are so slow and delayed that it's painful. So, Everything that we have built our entire lives to try to circumvent. We got cars, we got high-speed internet, we got, we got self-checkout. I don't ever want to break stride. I just want to live, go, you know, swiping cards and calling out commands and, you know, like pharaohs of old, just put my shoes on in between steps. Like, I just, we want no delay. But the fruit of the Spirit, the life of flourishing, is the life where you are patient, where you can walk into the DMV and be like, I'm okay. Imagine, right? So how do you get to that condition? You've got to go into the DMV many times for the Spirit to grow that patience in you. But look at, I mean, look at the next thing, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. How do you grow gentle? For me, it's been, I've got to be in situations where I want to deal aggressively with a problem, and then I realize how dumb that was. So it's an experience of failure, of shame. Next time I try to do a little better, and it's, it's like, right, it's like your spleen's being removed through your mouth. It's painful. How about, how do, you, how do you grow in self-control? Zero people here want self-control, I'm sure. I've got a, I think I'm maxed out on that one, Jesus, right? How do you grow in self-control? You've got to be in situations where you really want it and you don't take it. And that, you know what that feels like. That feels like, I'm an American! 
Nobody can make me wait for anything. Not give it to me right now. Do you know who I am? In those moments, though, what Paul's saying is, is it's not self-discipline that you need. It's not your flesh. It's submission. It's not self-discipline. It's submission. It's saying, Holy Spirit, grow this in me. Lead me to the good life. Because that's what Holy Spirit is given to do. Holy Spirit guides us into the life we most want, into it by growing it within us. And, And when we submit, the Spirit empowers our discipline. So we can say no, we can wait, we can endure. There's a sense in which everything that we've been talking about these last several weeks is, is kind of a, an extended hyperlink discussion about what Jesus means when he says in, in John, he says, uh, the, when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. What does it mean to be free indeed? We've been asking that question sprinkled here and there throughout our reflections on this subject. What does it mean to be free indeed? It means to, it means to have the fruit of love in your life. To be able to express the love that you wish you did at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day. It means to live with joy, to live with peace. It means to live like Jesus Christ, the most free man. That's what it means to be free indeed. We know that sin is deceitful. We know our hearts can deceive us. The world can deceive us. There's Pharisees out there. Satan's the father of lies. What are we going to do with our freedom, right? Who can keep us safe so we don't trade what we truly want for what we think we want? Who can keep us safe, friends? Why are we here in his name? Jesus can keep us safe. And Jesus will keep us safe through his spirit. Only the spirit of Jesus will guide us in freedom to flourishing. Only the Spirit of Jesus can make us free indeed, which is to live truly and joyfully what we most want. So as we close this morning, I want to encourage you to reflect on a few questions. Has a sense of freedom perhaps misplaced, but has this taken you down paths and to places, whether they're cul-de-sacs or pits? Has freedom taken you to places that you now realize you don't actually want to go that way? You don't want to be there. And maybe you say, and I don't know how to get out. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I see in that description of the fruit of the Spirit, I see in the life of Christ, I see what I truly want, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to get out from where what I thought was freedom has led me. And I don't know how to get into what I now see is freedom and flourishing. So I want to invite you now to take a moment and tell the Holy Spirit. Tell the Holy Spirit your situation. Whether it's about you being stuck or whether it's about you being hopeful and desirous of the good things. Tell the Holy Spirit and then ask the Spirit to lead you. Whether it's to lead you out, to lead you on. Tell the Spirit and then ask the Spirit to do this for you. Alright, so we'll just take a minute. I want you to speak to the Spirit. The Spirit can handle 60 new prayers all at once. So let's do this together now. Let's pray together. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives to bring us to this moment, to bring us to this place today. All the grace, all the light, all the hardship, all the pain that you've allowed to happen, that you have shown upon us, that you have blessed us with. And so we're here this morning together, looking to you out of a variety of conditions. Some of us are here and we're really lost and we're really stuck. And we need you to lead us out. And some of us are here this morning and we're, we're aching with longing. We want more. We want to follow Christ and to be like him. And so, Holy Spirit, would you lead us on? Whatever it is that we need to see and hear, whatever good seed from these scriptures and these reflections needs to be sowed in us, Spirit, would you, would you care for it? That we might see it grow, that we might, we, we might know the freedom that Christ set us free for, that we might know that indeed kind of freedom that Jesus came to give. So bless this and watch over us. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.